Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome in. This is Bink at Night here on 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. However you choose to listen, we thank you for tuning in tonight. This is Christian Ocero filling in for uh, Jay Binkley. Producer of this operation, Colin Settle. If you want to weigh in on anything that we talk about tonight. Jay's Southland Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. Take some of your texts throughout the show. Got a lot of things to talk about. Kansas City getting the 2026. Uh, the, The bid, the nod to be one of the 11 teams here in the United States to host games in the 2026 World Cup. Talk some about the NBA Finals. As the Golden State Warriors get the dub last night, take out the Celtics. I thought their demeanor after the the uh, clinching of the championship was actually really entertaining. I thought it was really hilarious. So we'll get into that later on. But I want to start with kind of like the end of the whole for now, at least, the whole Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill saga. Because, I mean, these guys aren't going to talk, or at least Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs aren't going to talk again until training camp. They just finished their their third day of mandatory minicamp. So there's, now there's nothing. They announced that training camp will begin July 28th and, and go until August 18th up in St. Joe. So... If you are looking to go out to some of those practices, be on the lookout for tickets to those. And uh, I know certainly us here, we'll try to get out to some of those. I might try to get to at least a couple of those. I went to one last year and it got rained out like after like a half hour. I was pretty pissed. (laughs) Like seriously, it just, and it was bad too. It just started dumping on us. And so me, me and my best friend were just like, 
well, I guess we got a dip here. So I was I was not very happy about that. And they they like said, hey, you know, we if you bought tickets today, you can come back on like a Tuesday. But I was like, I got to work Tuesday. So, you know, this was the, this was the day that I, I could go. And obviously with the torrential downpour that St. Joe got, we could not go. But definitely if you're trying to go, obviously we'll we'll be up there. I'm pretty sure we'll probably have some kind of shows up there for the uh for the practices there and we'll keep you updated but Patrick Mahomes in his final uh press conference that he's going to do before they get to training camp next month he he addressed the talk that Tyreek Hill put out on his podcast about the team and about him for those of you who don't remember, this is what Tyreek Hill, the inflammatory things that Tyreek Hill had to say about our quarterback. As far as accuracy-wise, I'm going with two all day. So which one would you rather have, the deep ball where you got to scramble around the field to try to go find it? Or nah. do you want that accuracy to hit you right in the bread basket on the run? I want it to hit me right in the bread basket, just like I did in the Buffalo Bills game and take it 70, and the rest is history. And again, this is not a shot at anybody. Right. This is just stuff that had to be said. It right? needed to be said. It needed so let's to be said. said. I mean, it is it is a shot at him. I mean, let's be honest. It is a shot at him. I mean, I don't think it was a real shot at him. I don't think he legitimately meant it, but it is a shot at him. When you say that a mediocre quarterback is better than the, the guy who most people think is the best quarterback in the league, that's a shot at the guy that everyone thinks is the best quarterback in the league. But our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, is a better person than we are. He is someone who is humble. He is someone that practices a lot of of understanding for other guys' situations. And here is how he reacted when he talked about, when he was asked about Tyree Kill at the mandatory minicamp. I, I'm, I'm surprised a, a little um, just because I feel like we, we love Tyreek here. We've always loved him. We still love him. I saw him out at Formula One in Miami. Um, and everything like that, but um, I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with trying to get his podcast some some stuff and get it rolling. Um, but uh, definitely, I still love Tyreek. He's one of a kind player. Um, but uh, as you know, in Coach Reed's offense, it takes the whole team. I mean, this offense was rolling before I got here. This offense was rolling when I was a young Cowboy fan watching the Eagles beat up on the Cowboys. So I mean, it's a it's an offense that's more than one player, and that includes myself. And then he went on to talk more about the gripes that Tyreek Hill kind of had. Drew Rosenhaus seemed like he was trying to feed that to him a little bit. But the gripes that Tyreek Hill had about, quote-unquote, stat suppression and him not getting enough targets. Obviously, when you're, when you're the competitor that he is, I mean, that's the thing that I loved about Tyreek and I still love is that he wants to win. And I feel like uh, with the de- coverages that we were getting, defenses were really accounting for him. And so we got to go other places. Um, but when he's a competitor like that, you want to have a chance to impact the game. So I know he wanted to, to get the ball as much as possible so he could help us win. It wasn't a selfish thing. Um, but uh, it definitely, I didn't, I didn't seem like he, I mean, we were winning football games, especially at the end of the season. So I didn't think he really kind of brought that to our attention. But uh, now we just kind of move on and kind of we keep going with the guys that we have here and we try to keep winning football games. Now, first off, I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of lying here. I, sh- I shouldn't say lying. It, well, I should. It's, a, it's like a white lie. He said that Tyreek Hill really wants to win. Now, I agree with that when he was playing with the Chiefs. But Tyreek Hill was at a crossroads this offseason. 
And he had to make a choice. Do I stay here in Kansas City? Maybe I don't make as much money as I'm being told I'm worth. But I stay here in Kansas City and we keep this thing going and try to see if we can get another title or two before everyone starts getting old and and they start replacing us. Or do I go get what I'm told I'm worth, make a ton of money, and but I'm downgrading as far as the surrounding talent around me, and I'm going to go play for a rookie head coach. He had that choice, and he chose the latter. He chose the money. He chose the mediocre quarterback and the rookie head coach. Doesn't seem to me like Tyreek really cares as much as Mahomes is saying about winning. Certainly, you don't. I don't think he wants to go there and just collect checks and lose a bunch of games. But you can't tell me he cares about winning that much when he made the choice that he made. When you go and chase the money, which I don't have any problem with, I'm perfectly okay with him going out and getting the bag that he deserves because the team was willing to pay him that, so that's what he's worth. But when you make that choice and you downgrade in surrounding talent around you, you can't say that you also want to win as much as you would have. It's not like the Chiefs were like, we're not going to pay you at all. They just weren't going to pay you as much as other teams were willing to. So in that instance, you can't tell me that he didn't, like he really wants to win. Like, it seems to me like he kind of wants to win, but he really wanted to get paid. So I I do kind of have that gripe with what Mahomes is saying about Tyreek. But I I will say this, though. Patrick Mahomes showed that he has a level of maturity that I don't think many of us who are at his age, like I think he's like 26, I don't think many of us, I certainly didn't at his age, had the kind of maturity and understanding of the game like he does. Patrick Mahomes could have very easily internalized that and came out and said, oh, Tyreek's dead to me. Tyreek's trash. He's not good. Like, you know, he chose money over us. He could easily go out and say that and say, you know, well, that's why he's got two of throwing to him. He's going to underthrow all those deep balls anyway, so you don't have to worry about those deep balls. He could he could come out and he could just be petty Mahomes as much as he possibly could. And nobody here in Kansas City would have any problem with it because people – here in Kansas City, are not very happy with Tyreek anyways. Instead, Mahomes came out and understood that this was an an act for attention. He knew that Tyreek doesn't believe that stuff. He knows that Tyreek doesn't really believe that two is a better option for him than, than Mahomes. He knows that. And he voice that in an obvious manner he's just trying to get attention for his podcast and and a lot of people didn't quite see that when those comments initially came out still to this day I guarantee you there are Chiefs fans that are angry about those comments and I understand because they're ridiculous and blasphemous and certainly we as Chiefs fans tend to get a little sensitive when someone insults our players or our city. It's understandable. I'm still pissed at Tony Gonzalez for the things that he said years ago. So I get it. And Mahomes has like, nope, don't care. I just care about winning. So I I got a lot of respect for him for that because that is hard for a lot of people at his age. It's a lot of people, a lot of, it's a lot, it's hard for people older than him, much older than him. 
to kind of understand that part of the game. But there's something about this whole situation, though, as I think more and more about how Tyreek is kind of handling this situation. There's something I don't like about it. I feel like Tyreek is on his way to becoming, if he's not already, on his way to becoming the next great villain for Chiefs fans. Like, we here in in Chiefs kingdom, we have certain people we just don't like. Former Chiefs players, uh, players on other teams that we hate, and so we, by proxy, will hate that player too. It happens all the time. I mean, certainly Dan Sorensen has been in that club now, and, you know, he's certain now that he's in, in playing for the Saints. I mean, dude, the Saints have the, the two safeties from the Chiefs last year on their team. Like, I don't know if it's going to go too well for them as far as their, their defense is concerned this season. But, like, certainly there's going to be people that dislike, that are going to always hate Dan Sorensen. And there's obviously, I think, Almost everybody in Chiefs Kingdom hates Larry Johnson. People hate Ryan Sims. There are so many players, Matt Castle, Eric Winston, all throughout your history in Chiefs fandom that you just learned to hate. Tony Gonzalez was that guy for a long time. And when you finish your career up, that stuff comes back to bite you for many of those players. It's easy to kind of get past one fan base hating you when you go play for a different fan base. And if you're really good, the fan base who roots for your team, they're going to juice you up and make you feel good. But when you are a player at the legendary status for a franchise and you leave that franchise, that's probably the only team you're ever going to be a legend for. Tyreek Hill's probably never going to be a Dolphins legend. And I don't think it's the best idea for Tyreek to burn the bridge that he has here in Kansas City. Because once you become an enemy of Chiefs Kingdom, it's really hard to get back into good graces. Tony Gonzalez knows that all too well. Because he kind of spent years doing it. When he was in Atlanta, he would talk all the time about how, oh man, Kansas City fans are so passionate because there's nothing to do in Kansas City. And then, right after, he gets accepted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He has this to say about what made his career as an NFL player. Can you talk about your time as a Falcon and what that experience was like for you? Uh, Falcons, uh, someone asked me that question the other day, and I was like, you know what, Falcons, honestly, it made my career to come here. Uh, It really did. Nothing against Kansas City. I was there 12 years, but only three playoff games. Never won a playoff game. A lot of losing seasons. Uh, Fans are unbelievable. Second to none in the community. I loved it. But when I got to Atlanta, it's like all of a sudden, now you're part of this winning organization. Uh, I got to play with guys like Matt Ryan, Roddy White, Julio Jones, John Abraham. Uh, We're going to to the playoffs. I won a playoff game. Played an NFC Championship game. Uh, it was just truly an amazing. We're on TV every week now. I'm doing Monday night football, Sunday night football games. Uh, it really was a nice bow tie that lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to last. I thought I was only going to be here two years. I remember Thomas Dimitrov, uh, after I got traded, he's like, hey, you're going to 
I give up a second round draft choice for you. You're going to play longer than, than, than two years or longer than one year, will you? Can I get at least two years out of you? Obviously, that turned into to five years and, and uh, I just had some really good times out here. It, this is a great city. I love it here. I love being back here for this week, uh, driving around town, seeing all my old stomping grounds, my old restaurants. I'm going to go hit one up tonight after this. Uh, and and I'm in, I enjoy this place. This is a great time. Chiefs fans didn't take that too kindly. I didn't take to it. And I know he tried to, like, show some respect to Kansas City. But he was loving on those Falcons, loving on that city. And for him to come out and say that it made his career when he won one more playoff game in Atlanta than he did in Kansas City was a slap in the face to all of us Chiefs fans. And we did not let him forget it. Not at all. And it was so bad that Tony Gonzalez had to go on Twitter and he had to put out an apology because Chiefs fans were that pissed at him. Hey fans, Tony Gonzalez here. I'm apologizing. I did not send this video out yesterday, but I was in Atlanta. And of course, it was all pretty much Atlanta um, reporters. And they put the video and said, send it out to the Atlanta Falcon fans. But now it's your turn. Kansas City Chief fans, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you. The 12 years I spent there were fantastic. I always tell people I became a man, um, obviously on the field, but off the field as well out in Kansas City. And the fan support that I had out there is second to none. Uh, it, I always tell it, it, it's diehards uh, and people that supported me through the uh, tough times and through the great times that we had out there in Kansas City. And I'm looking forward to Canton. Uh, for those that can make it, uh, I would love that, first of all. And I just want to tell you guys, once again, thank you for my marvelous 12 years out there in Kansas City. Go Chiefs. But he wasn't done. He wasn't done trying to kiss up to, to us Chiefs fans. He went out of his way in his own Hall of Fame speech to really try to smooth things over with Chiefs fans. Then to the fans, the fans of Kansas City. Are you in the house, Kansas City Chief fans? You know what, I'll never forget when I first got to Kansas City, they were singing the Star Spangled Banner. And you if you notice, there's somebody booing him in the middle of him trying to kiss up the Chiefs fans. There is someone just loudly booing him in the middle of his of him in the in the middle of him trying to hype Chiefs fans up during his speech. I think that just shows you just how much. Chiefs fans had not, and even today, I, I can say this from my own personal perspective, he is not someone that I'm, I, I just don't feel the way about him that I did before he was dissing the city. Even though he came out and tried to clarify and tried to say all the complimentary things about us here, still hard to forgive him. And I hope that Tyree Kill does not miss out on all the great things that come with being a Chiefs great because he's burning a bridge doing a, a spicy talking podcast because his agent's trying to get him a little bit extra money. I hope that he sees that there's a lot of great things with being a Chiefs legend that is still really in good terms with the fan base. Chiefs fans are not forgiving. We're not known for being very forgiving. We can be relentless sometimes. We're certainly not like Philly fans. But for a, a city this size that we are, we're very brutal at times. We're very honest. 
And we could be really tough on the players and the coaching staffs and et cetera. And there's a huge presence on social media. And if you are going to be a an athlete here, and you're going to be great in the teams here, you also have to understand that you got to show respect to the to the teams. You got to show respect to the players, and especially someone like Patrick Mahomes too, because everyone saw how we defended Tyreek when the allegations came out three years ago during that investigation. People, I mean, to this day, KCTV Five is still a villain in this city because of how that whole debacle happened three years ago. So he knows how Chiefs fans are when they feel like there's been an attack against them, attack against the team, and attack against the players. He doesn't want to go down that path because once you finish your career, you know, once you're sitting at home on South Beach in 2032 and you're having to think about your legacy and you're seeing all these other guys that you played with get treated great by the fans, get brought back by the team, doing ambassador stuff for their for the team, getting to go up on the stage at the draft and butcher guys' names when you're you're calling their name out to be picked by the team that you played for. You're going to want that too. And I feel like Tyreek Hill is kind of burning that bridge so he can get a little bit of clout. Coming up next, I tell you what the impact of hosting the World Cup will have on Kansas City. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In here on Big Get Night 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. Christian Ocero, Colin Settle. I told you, I, I, I told you this before the show, like, Chiefs fans do not like Tony Gonzalez. 
<laughs> At least uh, there's a there's a good portion, not all of them. Yeah, people on the on the J Southland Toe Service text line 913-576-7610. There's still people 913-586-7610. Don't do the don't do the old number. Um yeah, people seriously are are they still hate Tony Gonzalez. Screw him too late. Actually, no, that one was about Tyreek. But yeah, there's somebody says screw Tony Gonzalez too. There's a lot of there are a lot of people that do and to, and and seriously there are a lot of people that don't like Tyreek now. I'm telling y'all, there Tyreek is running the the he's he is running the risk of not getting to enjoy the benefits of being a Chiefs great because the Dolphins aren't going to treat him like a he's not going to be a Dolphins great unless he has like a. Unless he has like a Cooper Cup type season, gets like the triple crown or something, they win a Super Bowl, they'll do that. But like if Tyreek Hill has like one, like a thousand yard season this year and then next year he just keeps getting hurt and he never is the same like he was before, they're going to remember him for being the guy they traded five picks for and didn't win a damn thing with. So yeah, he he probably doesn't want to go burn that, burning that bridge that takes him to one arrowhead drive. But I, I do want to get into the World Cup, as uh, anybody who's listening knows. Kansas City was announced as one of the 16 host cities for the 2026 World Cup, which is jointly held between all three North American countries. Here's our quarterback delivering the announcement. Kansas City, we got the World Cup. The city is going to show out in 2026. We can't wait to welcome fans from across the globe to the heart of America and to the world's loudest stadium. Let's go. And Mahomes was in full uniform for this announcement on Twitter. So he was very serious about this. Uh, there are, so the cities that were announced here in the U.S., New York, New Jersey area where the Giants Jets play. L.A., Santa Clara, where the Niners play. Um, Miami, Atlanta, Seattle, Houston, Philly, Boston, KC. The cities outside of the U.S. in Mexico, you had Guadalajara, Monterey, and Mexico City, and in Toronto, and in Canada, you had Toronto and Vancouver. Cities that missed out, though: Baltimore, Orlando, Cincy, Nashville, Edmonton, and then the one that really kind of stuck out that people were roasting, uh, that people were kind of roasting the city for was Denver, because uh, you know, Den- we are, you know, we hate Denver. And they missed out on the World Cup, so I, it was actually it was actually pretty hilarious that they missed out on that because we hate Denver here. But I don't think it was ever really a question that Kansas City would or you know, wouldn't get the World Cup. I figured they would. I know that yeah, like all these other markets are like Baltimore and DC were kind of doing like a joint thing um, since they're nearby, um, and like you look at a lot of these other teams and there's a I mean a lot of these other cities and there's these markets are are just as large if not bigger than Kansas City I actually think Kansas City was the smallest of the markets in the United States that was bidding for the World Cup but to me the reason why I thought Kansas City was a shoe in to get in is because there are very few cities in this country that are as passionate about the sport as we are here in Kansas City there's not a whole lot of cities that are really embraced soccer, just not. But I was I, when I was driving in, um, they had the drive had had played an interview with Peter Vermees, head coach for Sporting Kansas City, and in that interview, it he talked about how 
there is so much in the way of soccer fandom here. You drive all around the city. There's fields everywhere. You know, I I grew up in South Kansas City, and there's there are numerous fields that are uh, not far away from where I live. Just multiple areas where there are fields at all around where I'm at. If you are on the Kansas side, there are the there's this huge soccer complex down in Southern Overland Park. There are lots of places to play at. There are lots of smaller teams that you see playing. And then there are, I think there's a pretty good little scene here in Kansas City as far as like camps go, as far as like the non-school affiliated clubs go. I know that um, Jillian Carroll, co-worker here at 610 Sports Radio, uh, does Good Day Kansas down in Wichita. She has coached multiple teams here in Kansas City for, for girls. It is very, very vibrant here for soccer in Kansas City. And to me, it just made a whole lot of sense for us to be able to get that. Because you look at a lot of these other cities, you know, you a lot of them are just getting into the soccer game, like Nashville or Cincy. Um, some of them have been around for a little while, like Denver and, and Orlando. But Kansas City has been integral to the growth of soccer in this country. Uh, the Wizards were one of the OG teams in the MLS. Uh, Lamar Hunt, who is the founder of the Kansas City Chiefs, was integral to the MLS's founding, integral to the sport becoming what it is today. Here in this city and in this country, it makes the most sense if you're, if you're, if you're going to bring it to the U.S., if you're going to pick all these different markets, having it in a city that's embraced it and that is integral to the creation of the popularity of the sport to the extent that it is in this country, having it in that city just makes a, a ton of sense. And it's, it's also nice because I really do feel like Kansas city gets passed up or used as leverage in a lot of situations when it, in regards to sports, like you remember, was it like, I think it was like Oh six Oh seven right around the time that the T-Mobile T-Mobile center opened as the sprint center. And there were the Pittsburgh Penguins who were kind of, they were looking for a new arena that they didn't really want to pay for. And they wanted to use some sort of leverage to get the city of Pittsburgh to pay for one. So know what they did? They like, oh, well, Kansas City's got a new arena that they just opened. We would have no problem moving a team here. And I'll tell you this. I don't really care about hockey. I don't really watch it very much. I try getting into it again. I try like every year to get into it. Like I, I, I've tried to like root for the golden Knights. I like their colors, uniform, et cetera. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a Knights fan. They didn't make the playoffs this year. So it's kind of tough, but I would absolutely get into it. If we had a team here, at least I would like make a serious attempt. It's hard for me to make a serious attempt when like the team that I kind of want to root for is like, halfway across the country. But if there was a team here and I could like really experience the cold, go to some games, whatnot, I might be able to get into it. And so I would have embraced them, even though I, I really have kind of like fought against 
getting into hockey because it's just it's kind of hard for me to watch. But I would have absolutely done it. And it kind of broke my heart because when you like realize that basically they were just using Kansas City as a way to get a new arena, it kind of became a reality. Whenever there's like a, a team in the NBA that is looking for a new arena, they'll talk about Vegas and they'll talk about Kansas City. Right now, I mean, LeBron James just came out earlier this week and said he wants to own a team in Vegas. And Kansas City is like one of, it's usually like Seattle, Vegas, and Kansas City. One of the three teams that are thrown out there could get an NBA team. We never do. Still don't have one. Haven't had one since the 80s. It's always, we're always being used as leverage for other cities, other leagues. Like, just, we're, we're never, we're always the bridesmaid and never the bride. And it's nice that we finally won one. It's nice that we finally were able to get a big event here in Kansas City. And certainly there'll be some economic impact that'll be positive for the city. It's also going to cost a lot of money. So it's not like, you know, we're going to get all this money and Kansas City's just become this crazy utopia here. Uh, a lot of cities, a lot of countries lose money on the World Cup. But the big thing is it's basically going to be a great advertisement for the city. Having a bunch of people go play games at Arrowhead, a bunch of these top-of-the-line teams, all around the world, fans are going to be watching these guys go play at Arrowhead. That's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool when they do shots of the city and we get the overhead shots of of the of the Truman Sports Complex of of downtown Kansas City they show fans cuz they're going to have like a little area where people can watch the game out by the Liberty Memorial the World War 1 museum and Union Station that's going to be really cool and so like that's going to be like great to build up some tourism you might have uh you know people coming from out of uh out of the metro area who aren't even really like big time soccer fans or soccer fans at all. And they'll come in just to enjoy the atmosphere that comes here. It, it'll be great to help showcase the culture that we have here. They're going to spend a lot of money to get it up to the point that they are. And it's probably not going to make as much money as, as some people might think it might, but it's going to be a great commercial for the city, great advertisement for the city, and it's going to expose us in a way that we really haven't been able to get before. I mean, I think the only way that we might be able to get close to matching that is if we get a Super Bowl at some point. But, you know, we're going to have to get a new stadium for the Chiefs in order for that to happen. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why a top player at their respective position who's linked to the Chiefs probably not coming to Kansas City. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Back in here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Chris and Nocero, Colin Settle. Somebody actually on the, on the J South and Toast Service text line, I forgot to bring this up. They brought up Tyron Matthew and, and Anthony Hitchens. Those guys were villains because they, they talked trash on fans last year. They were villains. And, like, they were right about some fans. There are absolutely some fa- bad fans in every fandom. Every fandom has some really toxic fans. But yeah, the way they the way they said it, where they kind of like generalized, yeah. There are there are people here when when they started talking like that, like Tyron Matthew started to go down the path of the villain. And that was kind of his fault. I felt sorry for him at the beginning of the year cuz I was like he's probably not going to get re-signed and he wanted to be here. Hitch, though, on the other hand, yeah, good riddance. I still, I still kind of wish they, they, they'd have been able to bring back Tyron, but I've made peace with that. There is a guy that Chiefs fans, media, et cetera, have started to kind of clamor for to come here to Kansas City. Edge rusher Robert Quinn for the Bears did not show up to their mandatory minicamp this week amid rumors that he is really not interested in undergoing a uh, a rebuilding effort up there in the Windy City. And so now speculation has kind of flown around as to potential trade targets. And one of the teams that has been consistently listed as a potential trade target is Kansas City. And so it begs the question, should or will the Chiefs make this move? Now, should they make this move? Probably. I mean, it obviously depends on cost. He's 32 years old, but he's on a pretty decent contract. I mean, he's not making like the kind of stupid money that some of these guys are getting this offseason, like Von Miller, six years, 120 million, which is ridiculous. Like I no thirty no no pass rusher that's about to enter their mid thirties should ever be getting that kind of money it's just ridiculous and I mean I'm I'm happy he got it but like I mean man that's a hell of a contract to pay out to a player even though they could probably like get out of it after the first two but so yeah we can say like he they should make this move if possible if the price is right sure do it the problem though is I don't think they will do it I don't think it's very much of a possibility they'll do it I'd be shocked if the Chiefs made a trade for Robert Quinn. And the reason why is because we've kind of figured out the the way that the Chiefs go about handling their roster over the 
you know, over the last few years. We kind of figured out a method to their madness, if you will. Now, they kind of bucked the trend a little bit because uh, I, I remember I was saying all offseason, the Chiefs probably not going to spend a first-round pick on a corner because they don't really value that position. They tend to kind of want to go cheap at that position, and so they'll try to maybe take a guy, maybe second round, but probably third round, get some good value. And I was wrong about that. They went out, they traded up to go get Trent McDuffie because they didn't think he was going to be be at 21 when he was there. They thought he was going to go maybe 16. And so when he dropped past that point, they were like, we got to go get this dude because he might be there at 21. So they kind of bucked the trend there. But still, the Chiefs very much kind of went bargain bin route for a lot of spots. Signed Juju to a one-year deal. Sign MVS to essentially what is a one-year deal. They can get out of it after this coming season. And they basically have kind of set themselves up to where they're going to have some options over the next few years. The only time we see the Chiefs go out and take big swings at positions in terms of moving capital to get a guy or using, uh, you know, use, or paying a lot of money for a player is if it's at a, a position of need. I don't think they need Robert Quinn. They could use Robert Quinn. I don't think they need him. They are first off like Frank, say what you want. Frank's probably an overpaid edge rusher, but he's not a terrible edge rusher. He's just not worth the money that he's being paid. So I don't want to, I don't want people to go out there and say, Oh, Frank's terrible. I mean, he's terrible for a player being paid well over $10 million. But he's not a terrible edge rusher. He's a he's a pretty good edge rusher that probably shouldn't be making as much money as that he makes. But I'm glad that they have him on the team because I do think he provides value for them. And we've seen him go out there and have an impact in a, in a big way for this team when they needed him to. And then you you obviously we still got Chris Jones, and you know Chris Jones this week was kind of taking some blame for the the way that the team kind of fell apart in the second half against the Bengals. And part of that was on the pass rush because they had multiple opportunities to bring down Joe Burrow and they missed on those opportunities. So it, it ain't it ain't just on uh, Patrick Mahomes. The defense do, does share some blame for it, but Patrick Mahomes is the main reason why. But still, like, you know, he knows, hey, we, we definitely – Got to wear some of that, but still very good, very good pass rusher. And, you know, he definitely, he talked this week about the difficulty of kind of playing on the edge. Certainly a lot harder than he thought it was. And then they got Karloftis and Karloftis is kind of the wild card. A lot of, I'm going to tell you this right now. I have not seen a player on defense get hyped up the way that Karloftis has been hyped up this off season ever in my time as a chief. I not even Ryan Sims, like, all I'm hearing about Karloftis is just he's he he doesn't know when to turn it off. Like we have to tell him to turn. Like they talked about how Andy Reid had to tell him personally, "Hey man, tone it down a bit." Like seriously, that's all you hear about is his high motor and his work ethic. And you know, you find out like he was earlier this week. He talked about losing like almost 15 pounds before the draft. Like. All we're hearing about is how much of a freak this dude is, how much, how relentless he is as a player, all these complimentary things about him. And so I don't think they need, like they wouldn't say all that stuff 
just to say it. I think they're very confident in him. I think they're confident in Frank because I think they would have just cut him if they didn't think he was worth keeping around because they easily could have cut him, saved some money, and then just gone out and tried to get someone else or make a move like this and get a guy like Quinn. They, they had options. They didn't go that route. And whenever they see a need and they address it the way that they do, they generally don't overcorrect there. Now, if Robert Quinn were to get cut and then they could sign him to a, a one-year, two-year deal or something, I could see them bringing him in that way. I just don't see them going out and spending a lot of money to add a player that they don't need. Not saying that they wouldn't be better with him. They absolutely would. I'd love if they got Robert Quinn. I just don't think that the Chiefs are the kind of team that adds luxury, you know, expensive luxury when they are pretty comfortable with what they have right now. It'd be different if he was a, a cheap addition to the team like Lev Bell or Josh Gordon. But that's not the case. Robert Quinn's going to cost you a lot of money on the salary cap, and it's going to cost you a, a decent amount of assets to try to get because I think he's still got like two seasons on his contract. So uh, I, I just don't see that happening. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why uh, the Chiefs running back room probably going to be different than what a lot of people are thinking it's going to be coming up in, in training camp. And I'll tell you what that is next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Final few minutes of the first hour here on Bink at Night. Make sure you keep it tuned once we're done. Because at 7.30, Josh Vernier is going to have the on-deck show as he gets you ready for Royals and Athletics. 7.30, the game will, uh, the first pitch is at 8.40 p.m. I'll tell you this, uh, for those of you who are going to stick around and listen to the game, you better show some appreciation appreciation to uh, my producer, Colin Settle, who's going to be staying here and doing that because uh, these West Coast games, man, they uh, they they are very, very trying for us. We stay here later than we normally do. So uh, definitely give your, your props to your producers for sticking around here and doing these late night games, especially uh, for those of us, especially those who, who work during the day too. And then we come after like, like Tuesday for me when I did that. And then I did an hour and a half with Bink. And then I stayed here and till like almost, it was like, it was like past one. I was tired. So yeah, make sure you show some appreciation for those guys. Cause uh, we, we definitely put in the hours during the, uh, the West coast weeks is not easy for us. So I, b- before we uh, finish the hour here, I want to, I want to talk about Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones was asked about the chief signing Jarek McKinnon, who played for the team last year and definitely started to have a coming out party late during the season and in the playoffs started to show uh, a bit of juice for a guy that really looked like he was kind of in the twilight of his career. He had this to say about the chiefs basically signing a guy that's probably gonna be above him in the depth chart. Yeah. Well, it's a long season, you know, uh, Preseason included, you know, can go like 24 games. So it's going to take more than just one guy. Uh, and, you know, I think that's what they're looking forward to. So, yeah, one, two, three punch, if you will. It's all good. 
maybe he's right. Maybe this Chiefs team will go one, two, three punch. And the Chiefs will definitely do a committee approach to some extent. Here's the problem, though. I, me and Bink brought this up a few months ago. He's got some problems that kind of don't bode well long-term for him making the team. Like pass protection. Andy Reid loves pass pro for his running backs. He was asked about, Ronald Jones was asked about his pass pro and the learning that he's done. Here's what he had to say about that. Yeah, definitely uh, working on going forward. You know, got to learn new uh, pass protection concepts. And, uh, yeah, got to keep the quarterback up. You know, that's number one, so. Maybe he gets better. Maybe he improves at these pass pro concepts and is able to really be a trustworthy player for the team. But he, I don't really know if he fits what this team needs. And something tells me with Jarek McKinnon back on this team, they already got Clyde, and they you have Derek Gore, fan favorite running back. Everyone would love for him to get a chance. And then you got this Isaiah Pacheco kid they just got in the seventh round. And a lot of people like him. He's going to be a guy that a lot of the, like, you know, the, the, the guys who do the deep cuts, who, you know, guys like Jay Binkley, who are just looking for guys who just perform really well at camp that you've never heard of. Like, you got to go and scroll down and you're in, in you like, you could not pick this person out of a police lineup because you never heard of them or seen their face. He's one of those guys, but there's going to be somebody out there who if he does if he if he does relatively well somebody's going to be like this guy is going to be the next star of the chiefs somebody's going to be talking about that in training camp and i'm going to tell you this with his measurables with this 437 speed he might have a better chance of making this team than than Ronald Jones so i i don't necessarily think that Ronald Jones job is safe he's going to have to work really hard in camp because i feel like the chiefs would have no problem letting him go and letting some of these other guys join the committee. So yeah, Jarek McKinnon signing here was not very good news for Ronald Jones coming up next. I tell you why the, the end result of the NBA finals this year was one of the most entertaining. I think we've ever seen. This is bank at night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas city chiefs, 610 sports radio. Football, energy drinks, beer, more football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Final half hour here, less than half hour now. It's probably I probably got like just over twenty minutes now. Here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Chris Unocero, Colin Settle. Make sure you keep it locked here at 730. Josh Vernier, Vern's on deck show. If you want to weigh in on anything we talk about, Jay's Southland Toe Service text line is 913-586-7610. So I did not like, I was not locked into the NBA finals this year. It just didn't feel like, it didn't feel like it was like a star studded as before. Like the, like it didn't feel the same way. Like the, 
Warriors other three championships they won. They've won with like Curry and Clay in them. Like it didn't feel like that. Like it didn't feel like like obviously the the other three were the Warriors versus the Cavs. So they were facing off against LeBron. It's like that was really entertaining because the star power in it. And and so this time around, you had Celtics, Warriors, Celtics, a team that probably I mean, if you just look at the talent, probably should have been in like a serious contender for the last few years, and it kind of underperformed. But they finally broke through this year. And the Golden State Warriors were able to clinch in game six with a 103-90 victory and win their seventh title in team history, fourth in the last, uh, I think it's eight seasons now. Steph Curry finally won his very first finals MVP in his career. And here's what he had to say about finally getting, you know, getting back to the top of the of the mountain there and getting that MVP award. It was definitely overwhelming. It was surreal just because you know how much you went through, um, you know, to get back to the stage. And nobody, unless you've been on that floor, you know, just grinded day in, day out. I was kind of talking about, uh, you know, it, it, just me personally, my my workouts from all season last year when we lost in the playing tournament, it's been a year and six days that I started the process of getting ready for this season. And uh, it all paid off. Didn't know how it was going to happen. Didn't know what the environment's going to be like. You imagine what the emotions are going to be like, but it, it hits different. So, And he was very emotional. I know he was crying after they won. And, again, finally winning the, uh, the MVP for the finals was – it was always something that people were trying to use against him and his legacy. So for him to finally get it is certainly major weight off of his shoulders. But the thing – that I found most interesting about it was the fact that you had so many players who were uh, who were on that team after they won, just out here just letting it loose and talking trash. And just, like, I really feel like this was the year that the Warriors kind of embraced the villain role. Like, they were villains when Kevin Durant joined the team back in 2016. A lot of people rooting against them. A lot of people were like, oh, well, they didn't need him. And then they just brought in Kevin. They didn't need Kevin Durant. They just brought him in. And and all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people were angry because they felt like it was unfair. They felt like, well, now we're just getting someone who's ring chasing and it's going to guarantee that they win titles uh, however long Kevin Durant decides to stay in the Bay Area. And I understood that. I, I mean, I understood why Kevin Durant did it because we probably too much define players' legacies by the number of championships that they win in that sport. So I just felt like it. I understood why he did it, but at the same time, I was kind of angry too because I felt like he kind of usurped greatness in order to just go get rings the easy way and fans are always going to remember that. Like, yeah, you won the title, but and you and you won MVPs in the finals, but there's always going to be context to that now. We're in an age where we have the ability 
to remember all the extra context to those titles. And we'll always remember Kevin Durant as a ring chaser. So the way that I, I, I see this team now, I think they were relieved. And I think that they were kind of building up years of frustration where you've got people making fun of them because of Kevin Durant joining the team. And it kind of came to a head when they were in Toronto and Kevin Durant gets injured in the Toronto fans cheer. And I mean, it certainly pissed off a lot of the Raptors players. They were, they were pretty angry about it during and after the game because they were like, Hey man, you shouldn't be cheering for a player getting hurt. Uh, But then Clay Thompson just had years and years of injuries and then Curry had some injuries. And so this team was very much a squad that was just, they, they looked like they were broken and you could just see the relief on their faces and you could see the frustration that had been built up starting to bubble out there. And these guys are starting to kind of come out of their, they're starting to come out and be very open about their frustration with other fans and with other uh, and with other players in the league. Like here's Clay Thompson talking about uh, a certain Grizzlies player and uh, a message they had for them. There was this one player on the Grizzlies who tweeted strength and numbers after they beat us in the regular season, and it pissed me off so much. I can't wait to retweet that thing, freaking bum. That I had to watch that. I'm just like this freaking cloud. Okay. Okay, okay, sorry. That memory just popped up. You're going to mock us? Like, you ain't ever been there before, bro. We've been there. We know what it takes. So to be here again, hold that. I mean, I'll tell you this. And I, I talked to this with Colin before the show. It's like, I don't remember what Clay Thompson's voice sounded like until I heard that clip earlier. I did not remember what his voice sounded like. I think the only time I'd ever heard him talk was like in a chocolate milk commercial a few years ago. That's it. That's all I remember him from. Like, I, obviously, I've watched him play, but like, I don't, I'm not, Clay Thompson's a very soft spoken person. And even he came out and was talking trash on the Grizzlies for, you know, talking trash at them. And that was a pretty heated series that they played earlier in the playoffs. So, we, like, if you've been paying attention, you just, you've seen it. Like the the Boston fans hate Draymond Green. Everybody hates Draymond Green, but the Boston fans really hate Draymond Green. They were chanting "F you, Draymond" at games. I think there were shirts there that had it on there. That's how much they hated this man. And here's Draymond after the game, kind of gloating about winning a title. About to go down back there, so y'all look out. It's gonna be an incredible episode. And I I told y'all on there before. Don't let us win. Uh, everybody got mad at me for cussing with my kids up here. Do you know the rest? Uh, championship. And they let us win championship, and you're going to hear about it. So tune in. This is going to be epic. Jordan Poole going to be on there. Might have Steph Curry on there. Might have Clay Thompson on there. Might have Olive on there. DJ on there. It's going to be an incredible episode. Watch out. I mean, he's become, he's basically starting to become like the next Charles Barkley. Just a guy that a lot of people hate because he's very outspoken. And that really is the identity, starting to really become the identity of this Warriors team.
when they first broke through, they were like what the Chiefs were, 2018, 2019. They were this beloved squad that people loved because they were different. They were entertaining. They changed the game. They were just launching threes every time they go down the court. And it was fun to watch because they hit them. And then people started to get annoyed with them because they kept winning. There was like we always we root for the rise, but then at some point we get tired of it. We want to see them fall. And we didn't get that with the Warriors for a while. Then they got better because they added Kevin Durant. And so people were mad at them. And then eventually they did have their fall when Kevin Durant left and guys started getting hurt. And at that point, it was pretty tough for them to maintain the kind of success that they had before. And I think that kind of, for them, it told them that they cannot take this for granted. And it also told them that we don't really, they learn not to care about public perception about their winning. And it was really entertaining to watch that unfold last night, really throughout the entire playoffs. Uh, you know, I was sad about my Phoenix Suns uh, getting smacked around by the Mavs in the uh, in the second round of the playoffs. That, that hurt a lot. But I very much was entertained by the Warriors going out and getting the win that they did because I really do feel like, not only they were the, they were the best team, but they were the most entertaining team because the personalities that they have in that locker room are the kind of personalities that live on forever in the NBA space because we see a lot of characters in that game from Barkley to Shaq to uh, Allen Iverson and guys like that. And I think that we'll kind of look at that team as another one of the groups that very much was not only full of great players, but full of great characters. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why I think Matheny may be the problem, but why firing him this year probably doesn't, won't do anything. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Final few minutes here, Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. Christian O'Sara, Colin Settle. Make sure you keep it locked here. Because in less than 10 minutes, Josh Vernier, take over with Vern's On Deck Show. Get you ready for Royals and athletics. 840 over there down in the uh, in the Bay Area. So keep it locked here. Hopefully the Royals can... Uh, I mean, at this point now, it's not a get back and and compete or anything. It's a let's hope that some of these young guys start to show some promise. Like, let's hope that, like, maybe a couple of these pitchers start to, like, find their way. And, you know, maybe some of these young hitters, like, really start to kind of showcase some of that potential that we've been hearing about for years. But I do want to I do want to address probably the biggest point of emphasis that you're hearing a lot of fans text into us on the J Southland toe service text line, tweet at Vern. I'm sure I, I see it on, on, uh, on, on Twitter all the time. 
people basically are calling for everyone's jobs. Cal Eldred. I'm sure that we'll hear some about Alex Zumwalt here pretty soon, even though he just got the the uh, hitting coach job after they got rid of Terry Bradshaw. And, and obviously Mike Matheny, too. And it got me really thinking. Is Mike Matheny really the guy that they want to, like, try and build with? Is that the guy? Who's the, is that the manager that you want to really kind of, like, saddle your horse to and say, this is the guy we're going to hope sticks around with this team. They develop the players, and then eventually they try to get back to a World Series with that guy. Basically, is this the guy that's the next Ned Yost? Because Ned Yost came in at a time where, I mean, they were hoping to win. They still had a bunch of guys in the minors that needed to come up and learn how to play Major League Baseball. Eventually, they came up here, and they learned, and then they formulated a system that allowed them to be able to consistently win. And we saw them go to two world series in a row, which is hard to do for a team in a market this size. And I think my answer to that is he, the next Ned Yost is no, I don't think he's the next Ned Yost, but I don't think he needs to be the next Ned Yost right now. Here's the thing. I don't think Matheny is costing this team games. I don't think he's hurting this team with his managerial decisions. I just think that this team is not that good. <laughs> like, it's on the players. It's not on Zumwalt. It's not, it wasn't on Terry Bradshaw. It's not on Cal Eldred. You've got a bunch of young guys that don't know how to play Major League Baseball. You've got a bunch of pitchers that haven't learned how to be consistent. Because we've seen some flashes. We've seen Daniel Lynch go out there and dominate. Uh, I think Healy had a had a, a really good outing a couple nights ago. We've seen them. Sh- we've seen them show a little bit from these guys. We've seen it from Boobich. Singer shown it uh, just a little bit. Like we've seen that these guys have some stuff that is the reason why Dayton Moore and Piccolo brought them in but they haven't been able to to make it a consistent effort. Once those guys start to do that, should they do that? That's when we really get to see what Matheny is as a manager. Because managers generally don't lose you that many games. They don't win you that many games either, but they don't generally don't lose you that many games. And if they do, it's because the team is underperforming. It's because there's a bad clubhouse sentiment and because of the the lack of chemistry, these guys just at, are at each other's throats. We saw it in, in Boston. I think it was 2016. Bobby Valentine was the, the manager there. They underperformed. And that team, I think they picked like fourth overall in the draft the next year. Valentine was, he was fired after the year. They won the World Series the very next year. Managers matter if you are competing, if you're trying to win. But if you're really bad, like it doesn't really matter. At this point, Matheny's probably just going to be a scapegoat at the end of the day. So firing him doesn't really matter right now. The team's not good. Once the team gets to a point where they're actually trying to compete, then we'll find out if he indeed is as bad as many people think. But right now, I just don't think it matters whether or not we keep him or not. I don't really see the point in firing him right now because at this point you're going to be saddling up another guy with uh, a lot of guys who are not ready to win. Special thanks to uh, 
Colin Settle for doing all the hard work. Stay tuned for Vern's On Deck Show coming up at 730. I'm Kristen Ocero. This is Bink at Night here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 